Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a disappointing Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're back to local sports for the next couple of hours. We appreciate you carving out some of your morning here to spend with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list uh, today, bottom of the hour, we will talk with our friend Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. It's an athletic-heavy day here on Miller and Condon. Uh, this morning, but Scott Dockerman is up first. Uh, he, um, we backed him off yesterday to uh, because he was covering pro day. Uh, the Hawkeyes had their pro day yesterday, so he is their football guy at the Athletic. We will speak with him at ten thirty at eleven oh five. Michael Swain on Iowa State making a little news. T.J. Otzelberger made it official. Robinson and Beyer retained on the staff. Uh, they have uh, seen a couple of their players now from last year make their way into the transfer portal, Harrison Dubar, uh, Dubar being the latest. And then we are going to talk with C.J. Moore, who covers college basketball national perspective uh, for the athletics. So a lot of basketball on the program here today, sprinkling in some football with Doc Ah, and we'll recap the bracket to where we're at at this point. The left side looks tougher than the right side. Uh, and there's a guy who's holding a Gonzaga ticket. Maybe don't want to see that. But uh, anyways, Trent, um, look, we got off the air yesterday. It's 46 apiece. Mm-hmm. By the time I walked down three flights of stairs and got into my car, um, I'm not sure which duck was on the free throw line shooting three free throws to go up 56-46. I mean, what happened in the... 20 seconds it takes me, maybe half an uh, I'm a little older. 45 seconds to get to my car. I mean, my God. And then it didn't get any better after that. Well, basically the same thing you saw throughout the first half. They hit open threes. They had a couple of One dunks. One after another. And away they went. It was the embodiment of the concern about Iowa basketball all season long, the last two seasons. An elite offensive team that showed up again, even in a pretty bad performance by a lot of guys offensively. They still mm-hmm. put 80 up. Mm-hmm. They gave up 95. And they did it in a myriad of different ways. 80 should be enough points to win. Certainly in the round of 32. Uh That's usually one where you think you're going to be able to coast in. That was not the case yesterday. It was kind of the same song and dance. Uh, Lack of athleticism on the perimeter. The Uh, guard position got exposed yesterday. No rim protector inside. Uh Trying to play zone when you're a garbage, awful, hideous Mm -hmm. zone team. Because And that was maybe uh, had to do as much as anything with the uptick in the defense going away from the zone. They did. They went almost exclusively man for the final five weeks of the season where they were adequate. They were good enough. Now, it also helps that you're playing and scouting teams that you know incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And when you know those teams, you know those tendencies, you know those coaches, and you know the players in that level, you're going to be able to play a little bit better defense. It didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And to have it end in this fashion can be considered nothing short of a disappointment. It is. There's no question about that. This was going to be a year that they were going to uh, go a long way. Hard to criticize. Again, it's pandemic. I'm so appreciative that they played. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and that's been my stance going back to football. So this isn't new this morning. Um, 
you know, just incredibly grateful that these student athletes, coaches, and support staff uh, made the sacrifices they did uh, in order to entertain us. And gosh knows they certainly did that through a cold, long winter month where everybody was uh, inside for the most part. But it was guards yesterday, Trent. It was at one point the Oregon guards, the three guards, were 18 of 20. They finished 24 of 36 for. I don't know, sixty-three points. Wow! Iowa's guards didn't make uh, didn't make a basket. Didn't have, didn't score a point. They scored sixty-three. The Oregon guards ten dunks, nine uncontested. Uh, Luca's lack of foot speed really showed up yesterday. Yep. Uh, but boy, oh boy, he played his ass off. Um, I'm so glad that a couple of things. A that you know when when it was inside the final minute or whatever, when McCaffrey did take him out, give him his much deserved curtain call. I wish CBS would have stayed with him instead of showing fans. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, show Garza getting getting the love from Oregon as he walked by their bench. Um, but, but that's a small part of what went wrong yesterday. It was they were just outgunned. They were just outmatched. They were out athletic, is what they were. Too many athletes on that Oregon team, and and it showed up yesterday. So disappointing. I agree with you. This was going to be the year. Uh, they had a um, they had the best. They had the Wooden Award winner. Uh, leading the way, and Bohannon and McCaffrey and Fredrickson didn't score a point. Wieskamp was okay, not great. Keegan Murray um, certainly didn't have his best game. Patrick McCaffrey did. Maybe. He did, yeah. I thought that might have been as as well as he has played all season long. Boy, him and Tucson got some chemistry, don't they? I, I thought Perkins, outside of the foul at the end of the half, he gave them so, some good minutes, uh-huh. hit a three-pointer, was out there ding up, doing things defensively. We'll talk about the future going forward, but he's a big part of that. Yep. And, and I think the him, Patrick, the remaking of the way Iowa looks mm-hmm. and the things we're talking about today, if they get back to that point, possibly won't be they were out-athlete. Because I think they do have the kind of athletes in the program and coming in the program that they can be a different type of team. But it's still about the here and now. And, and you mentioned Luca walking out of the game and, and the emotion. He said it just hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah, had to. This is the last time yep. as he went out of there. I was surprised, though, that we didn't get that curtain call for Jordan Bohannon. And he didn't get off the bench, Trent. He didn't. And he sat with the towel wrapped around his head and just had that. I mean, his, his look didn't change. Did we read anything into that? Um, what do you mean? Do you think he was benched and he was PO'd that he was benched in his his, his final few minutes as a Hawkeye that he was Maybe. stapled to the bench? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch by any means. No. Now, are we going to get the full story? No. We're not. I mean, Fran doesn't talk about things like that. Mm-hmm. We just won't. Fran McCaffrey, though, strikes me as very much a guy that loves the collegiate model. Yep. That is in the corner of the NCAA. That is not Jordan Bohannon, as we also know. No. And I do, again, this is just, this is coming completely out of left field. I could be completely off on that, but it's my read there that as things are going on, maybe this was a pain in the ass for Fran. And just the constant nonstop from a college athlete talking about this that Fran didn't like. Remember, he's a guy that Uh. did not want to get involved in the transfer market. He hated Mm -hmm. the grand transfers. Mm -hmm. He has come out multiple times and said it. Now, Mm -hmm. he's opened up a little bit more and has been willing at least to adapt on that. But it's just something that that stuck in my mind a little bit as I was waiting for the final minutes to tick off the clock. That never crossed my mind, Trent. It didn't. But that's a surprise, right? That Jordan Bohan, an all-timer, doesn't get a curtain call? Trent, I've been doing this for 25 years, and the one thing that I will remember more so than anything else, anything, is Bohannon. Missing the free throw on purpose. Yeah. I mean, 
that was that, that's unforgettable to me. Of all the things I've watched in the coaches and the games, it's, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah, it seems like he should have had that moment at the end. You know, I never thought of that um, for what he meant to the program and the sacrifices that he made. You know, the injuries that he fought through yes. to come back. Plantar fasciitis. Yes. The hip surgeries. And there he was on the bench looking with, the, with a straightforward look on his face, towel wrapped around his head, and I don't think he moved. Well, it's not like the camera was just focusing mm-hmm. on him, but we didn't see him move until Garza came off the floor. And then, and only then, um, did Bohannon get up off of, um, yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. Fair point. An interesting one at the very least. Yeah. All right, from there. It's from the game. The game was what it was. It was right? awful. I, I, it was it was disappointing. I don't think there's a whole lot more that we can put on it that hasn't been said that everybody has thought of at this point. But we become well. Dana Altman <laughs> deserves a ton of credit for the way. Yes, and he's going to you know what? I'll let Luca get his, and he will get his. But we're not going to let anybody make three, and we're going to shut that down. And that was the game plan going into it. We discussed that yesterday. We've seen Luca go off for forty something in the past. And the team gets beat. Uh, and that was Altman's strategy going into it. We know that we are outgunned at the five. Mm-hmm. And we're going to let him get his points. And he did, all 36 of them. Uh, and then we're just going to shut down what uh, some of the ancillary stuff. And the three-pointers, they did a great job. Frederick didn't make one. Bohannon didn't make one. Keegan Murray made one. That's it. I thought Dana Altman did a terrific job. He had a great game plan for this Hawkeye team, and it showed. Dana Altman, a guy that wanted the Iowa job when Steve Alford got it. Dana Altman, a guy that was rumored to want the job when Todd Licklider got it. Two opportunities mm. to hire that guy at Iowa. Didn't do it. And since then, what has he done? He's got a winning record of the NCAA tournament. He's won 15 games in his career in the NCAA tournament. Another Sweet 16, yeah. four regular season titles in the Pac-12, mm. three tournament titles. And how about that Pac-12 matchup we're going to be treated to next Sunday? USC, That's going to be a great oh, my one God. on top of it. This guy, there was a big advantage in this game. And to our discredit, we didn't mention it once before the game yesterday. Well, the coaching box, mm-hmm. and it's not close, Dana Altman, big check mark, two check marks on his side mm-hmm. to Fran. And that's not a huge knock, I don't think, on Fran. Just shows you the quality that Dana Altman is. Certainly had a game plan yesterday. Bill, welcome to the program. Bill, how are you? Hey, good. Uh, you guys are keen observers of defense. How many charges did Iowa pick up yesterday? And how many did they pick up for the entire season? <sighs> Things aren't going to change there defensively because it's a non-factor for the head coach. He's an offensive coach that was brought in to put Fanny's in the stands because of his offense, and that's very good, by the way. But it's just not going to change, and you don't win championships nope. without defense. Nope. You're right, Bill. Completely fair, Pre- Bill. Uh, thanks for the call, Bill. Great point. You're, it's uh, it's not. Point. Be- because he's not going to get rid of nope. his staff. We're not going to see his coaching change there. There's nothing that's going to be brought in. The Luke Yaklich of the world, the rising star defensive <laughs> right. coordinator, is not coming to Iowa. Uh-huh. Fran's not doing that. He's got his group. This is what they are. And you have a decision to make as a fan. There's one or two ways to look at it. Either I want the next level. You remember that terminology that was used in 98, 99? I do. 
next level. And Iowa went to the next level. It was the next level down under Steve Alford. <laughs> right. And then they went another level down after that with Todd Lickley. Do you remember the, uh, was it the first game he coached Madison Square Garden? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Beat UConn, the defending national champion. <laughs> You're thinking, holy crap, this Clint is going to be Clint gets outplayed. And, by, right. yeah, it, and then, well, mm. reality showed up. It did, yeah. Even a day later against Stanford right. in that championship game out at MSG. But it went down a level. And let's be honest. This is Iowa basketball. This is what this program, unless you're going to cheat your ass off, this is what Iowa basketball is. Good enough to make the tournaments more times than not. Good enough to win a game when you get to the tournament. But when you take the elite level teams, under Dr. Tom, it was seemingly every year they played Duke or Kentucky in the round of 32, and for the most part, they'd get clubbed Mm -hmm. in those games. And now Mm -hmm. Iowa against Gonzaga, against Villanova, now against Oregon, teams that out-athlete you, they beat you. This is Iowa basketball. The times that it was different, well, we got to go back more than four decades ago when college basketball was a whole lot different. They played that Final Four in 1980 in Indianapolis. They played in a building that is no longer there, that's been torn down. That is how long ago this was. It was played in a gym. We're talking 42 years mm-hmm. later from that moment. Last time they won a regular season title, 1979. Mm-hmm. And the group... Didn't it feel like this was the year, though? Maybe not. It it didn't to me though. Didn't and it? all season I they long. They had a chance. They had a chance because I never bought Michigan, and I knew Illinois. At least I thought Illinois was going to be the team. We saw these two go back and forth last year, and I thought, you know what? There's a chance that this might be the end of that long, long streak. Chris Hassel had an, uh, an interesting tweet yesterday. I guess I didn't realize this. Um, maybe you did, Trent. That uh, since. 19, what did he put? 1989, I was 1 and 11 in the round of 32. 1 and 11 in the round of 32. I didn't realize that since 1989. Well, we, I continually have this conversation with Iowa fans, and they make the Dr. Tom era out to be something that it wasn't. This well, is, the end was the end. You know, it's, it's the way but it was one game. I get it, but it was the, there was a lot of, at the end, this is how I remember taking tons of calls on it. We're not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Are they making a mistake? We're, should we should we really be going down this path? Then they got Steve Alford, and you think to yourself, this might be okay, but... Um, it didn't work. No, and, I know. And the last decade of Dr. Tom, after George Ravling's recruits left, mm-hmm. guess what? No, it wasn't good. I'm he, with you. He missed three NCAA no. tournaments in his last eight years. They got to the Sweet 16 in his final season, Yes. They did it by beating Arkansas, a team that finally broke through for the first time since 96, by the way, getting to the Sweet 16. That's a program on a higher plane than Iowa, and it took them that long to get back to a Sweet 16. Uh, A couple more calls here. Scott Darkerman coming up. We're going to do a lot on football with Doc as he was at Iowa Pro Day. How about the flex from Alabama Pro Day today? Did you see this? Oh, they're they're doing two Pro Days. One's not enough. No. they got so much talent, they're going to do two. Uh, Jim's first. Jim, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I haven't filled out a basketball pool in in years. I don't know why. I used to love doing it, but uh, I'm going to start doing it from now on. And you want to know what my uh, betting rationale is going to be? Yeah, go against me. If, if I hear <laughs> if I hear any kind of commentator say, "Well, this conference is weak uh-huh. and this conference is strong," yeah. I'm going to go completely opposite of that because I don't know how many times I've heard, especially local guys, say, "Oh, the Big Twelve and the Guilty. Big Ten are, are the." Huh? Guilty. Yep, me too. 
Guilty. Yeah. Oh, I know. And then, you know, and I mean, leading up to the tournament, there's plenty of evidence to, to support that. I understand that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, believe me, you guys and, and your teammates there on the station uh, aren't the only ones. But uh, and another thing I just wanted to say is, uh, Kenny, you, you might be glad to hear this, is that uh, I just was in Vegas for this past week. Nice. And it's back, bro. Is it really? That's awesome. Oh, where did, God, where did there you was, stay? There was, probably, there was probably two million extra people That's there. That's awesome. Where did you stay? Uh, the Flamingo. Nice place. Oh, I yeah. love it. Centralized. It now, is a fl- it's a nice place. You know, is? And uh, me and my fiancé went there with no matrimonial intentions, but their uh, no. wedding venue out. Yeah. Did you? Did it. So that's yeah. where I got married, too. Cindy and I got married in Vegas. In the back of a limo. We never got out. We went through a drive through limousine. Preacher got in, married us, and he kept sitting there. He kept sitting there. Well, now thinking to myself, well, you've been through, you've read everything you got to read. We've said I do. What are you waiting for? Get the hell out of the car. He was waiting for me to tip. bucks. Exactly. <laughs> I had no idea you tipped the preacher. <laughs> well, Jim, congratulations. Uh, thank you for the Vegas update. I appreciate that, and thanks for listening. All right, thanks. Yeah, you do. This, uh, you have a good day. Uh, Anthony is next. Hello, Anthony. How are you? Well, pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing fine. What's on your mind? Well, I'm still disappointed about this. The uh, the fallout of the uh, Iowa basketball for the last couple of years under Fred McCaffrey. But here's is what what when this guy got hired. Let's go back what 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Am I right on this or am I wrong? No, yeah, you're right. Yep. yep. Okay, what this guy has done for eleven years? Took him to the tournament, never gotten past the first second round. Never reached the Sweet 16, what everybody was hoping for. The guy has not done nothing. And now, the biggest mistake is, is Barry Barter extended his contract mm-hmm. for the next seven years. The question is, I got for you guys, what's the future of going into fall of 2021 and 2022 of next two seasons? And uh, guys, I'll hang up. Listen, and, uh, go Hawks. I'll be cheering on the Lady Hawkeyes as well also. See how they're going to do today. Good stuff. Thank, Thank you, Hawks, Anthony. Guys. Appreciate the call. Appreciate you listening. Uh, that's the question, right? What's the, the future? What's look next? Like? Yeah. yeah. And because they're going to lose, Mahanen is gone, and Luca mm-hmm. is gone, and Wieskamp is gone. Connor McCaffrey's having two hip surgeries. Yes. Well, it- that's nine months at best for one. Mm-hmm. He's having two. Um, you've seen the rumors. The rumors are everywhere on Twitter. You I, now, I didn't see this. You said you I brought it up to you on the show back in like January that. about CJ Frederick, Frederick returning to Kentucky. Yes, and you you must not have been listening to me. Is and that's that? right because I tried to pay attention. I know you do. Usually, uh, I don't recall you saying that. But no, yeah, I'm not it, saying you didn't. It's been out there, right? And it's been a conversation. But this is so. Matt Jones, who... Mm-hmm. He's got a ton of Twitter followers. Yeah, big big following there. Yep. He's a guy that actually might run for political office in Kentucky. That's, really? That's what kind of following he has, and he's very... And he's a sports talker? Yep. Right. Uh, he in built, Lexington, correct? He built a network of stations, yeah, that... Kentucky the, Sports Radio, yes, right? Yes, yeah. that broadcast his shows and then some others that, that were built upon it across the state. And oh, good for him. He, yeah, really good guy. I, I've, in fact, talked with one of his producers... Back in the day, as we were maybe thinking about trying to do something similar and hit different stations across, mm-hmm. and he kind of told me the way that they did it. But that aside, this guy's been a part of it for a long time. He's Aren't also you glad you didn't do that. By the way. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> he put together though a list of all kinds of names. One of the names on his list is Calipari's son plays up at Detroit Mercy and in the Horizon League. Mm-hmm. Leading scorer of that team is on this list. 
his head coach is his dad. You right. think he's going to leave his dad to play his final season? Those are the kind of names that are out there. More than anything, it's just a connection, a group of connections saying this would make sense. Mm-hmm. This would come as a huge surprise. Remember the connection that the Frederick family has with the McCaffreys. They're friends. They grew up together. The McCaffrey boys and Frederick were friends. The parents are friends together. And this was one of the few programs that took a chance at a high level on C.J. Frederick. I would consider that a huge surprise for him to turn around then mm-hmm. and go back home. Go. He's also a Cincinnati guy, though he grew up on the Kentucky side of the border. Right, right. It's not like a kid Florence, that grew up in Lexington. Is it, is it Florence? Right. Because that's where the racetrack is. Yeah. In yeah. So it, it's, yes, it's Kentucky and it's Kentucky mm-hmm. basketball. The other thing is... He's got 200... Not that this matters. He's got 215,000 followers. He's got the blue check mark. So it's not like... This is his tweet. I'll read it to you. I think there's a very good chance Kentucky will end up with a transfer whose season ended today. Well, there was a number of teams that season ended today. Uh, But C.J. Frederick, you said, has been on there uh, going back into uh, into January. We'll see. We'll see. We should know here in the next little while, right? If it's going to happen or not. The kid we saw yesterday is not playing at Kentucky. Well, no. But the kid we saw around Christmas time, yeah, though it was very overstated at the time, and I said and it as didn't much. last a long. But the no. but the injury, right? I mean, the injury yeah. prevented him from. Um, He's a really good shooter. He's a six-two yeah. shooting guard, though. Yeah, those guys play at Kentucky very often. Not very many minutes. They need shooters. Yes, right. I, I feels like a stretch. Okay, feels so like you will fall off your chair if this one's real. No. Okay. But so it, it feels like a stretch. Okay. So let's, I, I let's, will be shocked if he plays 22 minutes a game at Kentucky. Let's leave him at Iowa. Yeah. Because that's where he is. We yes. know nothing more other than the fact there's speculation. But we'll cross Weiss Camp off. Absolutely. He's gone. I think that's fair. That's more mm-hmm. fair. And to he do was it asked about his future yesterday, and of course he was. And, and yeah. nor should he. Right. Uh, right. Now. But he had to be asked the question. I don't know who asked it. They were doing their job. So we know Luke is gone. We know Weiss Camp is gone. We know Bohannon's gone. We believe that uh, Connor McCaffrey is going to face a massive uphill climb. Mm-hmm. So this and what will be a point where my future sports-wise is baseball. Yeah, fair point, right? Let's just put all our that's, eggs in that That's basket. probably a good idea on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Keegan Murray's team going forward. Jack Nunji's still a question mark. now. See, I think he's going to be fine. I hope, Trent. But it's a meniscus. It, it wasn't another ACL tear. If it was another ACL tear. both knees now. Yes, but if it was another ACL tear, I think that question mm-hmm. would be more relevant. But with the meniscus, it's a four to six month injury. No, he could be conceivably back by November. I mean, there's of course oh, it yeah, could be. Yeah. So, but you still got that. Is it going to be a hundred percent Jack Nunji? Right. So Nunji, put mm-hmm. him on the team. Let's 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 starting five next. Keegan okay. Murray for sure. Yep. Patrick McCaffrey for sure. Um, Nunji for sure. That's three. Toussaint and Frederick. And CJ. It's a pretty good team. Yep. It's a team that can be playing in the first four. Lose their two best players. Because you got defense. Mm-hmm. You got guys that can defend mm-hmm. on the other end. I think you're making, in fact, basically every position is going to be a step forward defensively, right? I hope so. Point guard? <laughs> Bar's not set real high. Toussaint over uh-huh. Bohannon? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, Frederick's the same, sure. but a more healthy Frederick. Yeah, Toussaint's way more athletic. Yep. Small forward? You say Connor's a small forward or Wieskamp. And you put Patrick in there, at least lengthwise, mm-hmm. you can do a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Murray, yeah, upgrade over mm-hmm. Connor Wieskamp, whoever you consider. Right. And Nunji's an upgrade over Garza defensively. So, yeah, you're upgrading everywhere. You're taking a big step offensively, though. That's for sure. Fran has taken teams, and 
parts, though, that aren't as good as these parts, I think, offensively, and made them at least pretty good offensive team. They're still going to be good. They're not going to be the best mm-hmm. offense in the country or anything like that. But more than likely, they're going to be still a top 30 team offensively. How many minutes for Chris Murray? 12. Okay, that's the number I had in my head, too. How about a Gundale? Well, eight. He's going to have to play. And they have been reaching out a lot to the transfer market. There has been lots of stories on that. I saw both 24-7 with the young guys over there, Tom Caker to Hawkeye Report. They have talked a lot that there has been continued conversations, a lot more than in the past with Fran, as we talked about. They have been reaching out. Trent, there's going to be so many kids in this thing. I uh, I saw the number yesterday. I well, like what the tweet. is it already? I like the tweet. Let me find it here because I knew you would year, love it. The last year, there was just under 1,100 kids transferred. All right. The transfer list now stands at 733 Jesus. names entering today. On March 23rd of last year, the list was at 422. Mm-hmm. Already 300 clear of where right. it was last year at this time. There are going to be bodies. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to find the right ones. Mm-hmm. And so does TJ. Yes. He's going to have some room on his roster, too. I, I think, as I say, you find the DeAndre Canes, not the Zeron Tallies. Right. Because yeah. people were excited about Zeron. Yeah. It didn't work out. Well, when you compare him to DeAndre Canes. Sure. But Tyler Harris. Are, yeah. Mm, no. You have to find the right. And not just guys that put up big point totals. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that goes mm-hmm. into it there. Those guys are out there. Right fit. And personality. Price to John Jones. We know that also matters yep. Yep. in this market, too. Finding the right guys, the right combination. It's not just finding the best players. You've got to find that right mix, and that can be more and more difficult, too, because you don't have the chance to vet these guys in the same level. You're not developing the three, four-year relationship that you do with the high school prospect when they start in ninth, tenth grade, and you start making those right. phone calls for the right. first time. It's They come on a weekend visit, and you got to make a choice. There's going to be a bunch of them in there. We will uh, get a break in here coming up. We've got Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. We'll talk football and basketball with Doc. Look forward to speaking with him in just the next few minutes. In the 11 o'clock hour, we'll start with Iowa State. Uh, Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports. will join us. We'll take a look at uh, T.J. Otzelberger as he builds his staff. Uh, as some players decide not to uh, spend the rest of their career in Ames, might there be more? We shall see here in the days to come. And then college basketball from a national perspective uh, with one of the writers from The Athletic. It's Miller and Condon. We're with you until noon. Thanks for being here on Des Moines Sports Station. Oh, by the way, we have a keyword in the 11 o'clock hour. If you haven't been paying attention, these keywords are back for a limited time. There's only four for the entire day. There's one that's in the 6 o'clock hour. Hours in the 11 o'clock hour. Murph and Andy have one in the 2 o'clock hour. And then the Fanatics in the 4 o'clock hour. So it's not like this is an every hour proposition. It's four times daily. We've got ours in the 11 o'clock hour. And it's not just a 1000 bucks; It's 1400 So be listening about 11.25 for that. We take you until noon on 1460 KXNO and 106M or Facebook. <laughs> Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 
10.33 on a Tuesday. We take you until noon. Iowa State conversation to kick off our number two. And then we'll continue to mine our relationships with our friends at The Athletic. We've got a terrific sale uh, going on right now. We'll have Scott Docterman, who's about to join us, talk a little bit about that. Uh, as uh, he had covered Pro Day yesterday, as the Hawks had their Pro Day uh, mid-morning, I believe, yesterday. Anyways, regardless of what time it was, it was yesterday, and Doc is with us. Hello, Scott Docterman. How are you? I am well, Ken and Trent. I hope you are as well. Indeed. A little disappointed that there's no more uh, Hawkeye basketball to cover and say goodbye to a uh, program changer and Luke Garza, who... Um, I mean, we don't. There's a reason that they're putting 55 up in the uh, up in the rafters. You know, Doc Trent brought up an interesting point, and I never never dawned on me until he did so here about 20 minutes ago. And and, and Garza coming off the floor and got that the curtain call that he absolutely deserved, and wish that the camera would have lingered a little bit so we could all watch it instead of watching people in the stands. But regardless of that, uh, Jordan Bohannon didn't get that treatment. Um, he certainly deserved it. Wonder what was behind that? Was it just a uh, an, an oversight? Do you think? I mean, Bohannon was stapled to the bench for the most part in the second half. I, I was at that point. I was very much preoccupied with pro right. day, uh, so I guess that's probably an area that I I would be the wrong person to ask. I mean, I guess when you. <laughs> You know, you look at the uh, the scenario, and uh, you have Luka Garza scoring 36 or 80 points, and Joe Bohan not having one of his best days. Uh, we can guess how many points he had. And then I think that that really probably lends itself to that. I think it's also, you know, I mean, Jordan Bohan had a terrific career, yeah. but if I'm going to devise, you know, even the all-time Fran McCaffrey team, he's not on the top mm-hmm. five. Well, you can make a discussion if he's in the top ten, but He's definitely not in the top five. So, but Luka Garza is number one, and mm-hmm. Luka Garza is number one all time in so many areas. And uh, he was the straw, the straw that stirred the drink. And it was really, it's really unfortunate. I think when and then all this settles, and we can kind of look back without emotion and and look at what happened here. And, and I mean, Oregon made the right call, which was let Luka Garza yep. score and just defend the heck out of everybody else along the perimeter. No let them shoot very many threes, badger the guards, and, uh, well, I mean, when you get the backcourt going 63-0, uh, that's, that's a heck of a statistic. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Let's, uh, that's remarkable. One more on the basketball front before we get into the football, Doc. And a look to the future. When, when you look at this program, not knowing what the roster exactly is going to look like, but... Fred McCaffrey, he has adjusted on the fly. He has rebuilt this program a couple of different times. What what you think about the future of the program? And, of course, a big question after a seven-year contract extension was given to Fred McCaffrey. Yeah, that, I knew that, that everything, the whole season, his legacy and the future is, was really a referendum yesterday served as that purpose. And I knew that was the case. Yep. Whether this team got to the 16 or not, was going to determine the conversation moving forward mm-hmm. uh, about Fran McCaffrey and, this, and his legacy because um, they haven't been there in 22 years. This was a team ranked in the top five and top ten almost the whole entire year. It didn't get there. It got beat by 15 points. So people naturally are going to say, is this the best that could be done under Fran McCaffrey? And if it is, is you know, then you got that tough conversation on like Tom Davis. There's a lot of retro thinking about him, mm-hmm. that, but 
the critical mass was more anti-Tom Davis back in 1998 and 99 than a lot of people know. It was just the completion that made everybody change their mind and then subsequent issues. So I think when you look at next year's team, they actually have the guts of a really good roster. Um, you know, and if Joe Wieskamp is obviously the biggest key of all, if he returns, then this team's a tournament team, no question. And if you get a favorable draw, maybe they do go to the Sweet 16. But this team was built and for the Final Four, not the Sweet 16. And that's what's going to be hard to reconcile for fans. And I understand that. And I kind of agree with them to some extent. Uh, but when you have Joe Toussaint and you have Tony Perkins, who I thought played really well, uh, when you have C.J. Frederick and Connor McCaffrey and Patrick McCaffrey and, and the, the Murray brothers and Jack Dunsey coming back and, and potentially Joe Wieskamp, I think that's a really good roster. I think that's a competitive roster for an NCAA tournament bid. But you're never, ever, ever at Iowa going to find another Luka Garza. What you got to do is you got to find a post who understands his role, and uh, that's going to the only way you're going to do that and do that successfully is is to bring in a transfer. Indeed, and hopefully McCaffrey's a little warmer to doing that as he's uh, has been in in past years. So, Doc, let's get to what you where you spent majority of your day yesterday, and that was that Hawkeye Pro Day. Uh, Doc, uh, any idea how many NFL teams uh, sent a representative of the thirty two? Do you know how many were represented? Yeah, there were 30 there. Uh, no, uh, The Rams don't travel for any of this, and okay. the Buccaneers didn't come either. So, but 30 out of the 32, there weren't any head coaches, but a lot of teams sent their general managers. To, uh, each team was allowed up to three reps, and most of them used them. So we see a lot of guys that at their pro day put together their best performances, go up in a big level. What was your biggest takeaway? Who is the guy that, in your mind, improved themselves a lot and moved up the draft boards or into the draft boards, if you will, after the performances yesterday? I think there were two that kind of solidified and improved their stock a little bit. And one is Amir Smith-Marset. I mean, we all saw the injury against Wisconsin, mm-hmm. high ankle sprain, the eight setbacks in the training process. So to be able to go out and run a four-four-three. And then a 10 yard split of 144 is remarkable. It shows he has blazing speed and, and that's only going to get better. I mean, the more and more he gets, he's able to, to run and, and run effectively and, and get back his stride. He's going to really improve that. So I think he will. But the other one is, uh, Chauncey Golston. And I'm actually writing about him separately today. I mean, his, his numbers were mm. really incredible. And I would also add Nick Beeman for that matter. But, uh, but Chauncey Golston, you know, his, his, you know, to get under a four eight and to be a legitimate defensive lineman, you know, weighing two hundred and seventy pounds and to to have the vertical jumps and then also just the numbers, you know, the, the length and of the arms and the and the wingspan. Then you look at the tape and you look at his dedication and you look at his leadership qualities. Um, he's the type of player that you you, you almost if you're a good team or even a, a team that needs to build culture you draft him earlier than you should. If you think he's a fourth rounder, draft him in the third because he's the type of player that's going to improve your team dramatically. And then finally, Nick Neiman, his <laughs> numbers, you know, four four five in the forty. Hmm. Um, you know, his three cone was as fast as pretty much anybody last year. Been not a position. Um, I think he probably moved himself into the draft. 
Interesting, Doc. I'm I want, I'm curious to. Uh, I read your piece as I as I do at the Athletic. Uh, Davian Nixon and the question he was asked apparently when you um, was was about why the junior college route. Uh, I was surprised that that was a, a talking point. I mean, plug in the tape. In fact, you don't even have to plug in a whole bunch of tape. Just grab the Penn State game and the interception when he returned to what Trent seventy six yards, something like that. Yeah. Um, where, where do where do you have uh, project him going? Not necessarily to the team, but has he got a chance to be a late first round guy, or in all likelihood a second day pick? I think I, I think on ability he's a first day guy, but you know there are there are some things that people are looking at in his past. You know, I mean, he did hit the transfer portal in Iowa. He was, and you know, there was an investigation about him at Iowa, you know, his first year on campus. And, and uh, you know, there were no charges. Not, there was no paperwork, and, no, you know, there were no repercussions or anything. But teams get nervous about that stuff. So there, there's a lot of people that are looking into him regarding that. But, um, you know, again, he was never, you know, arrested or thrown off the team, you know, anything. Um, but I also think, you know, some, his path is, is unorthodox. You know, going to junior college, coming to Iowa, registering, having a, a modest 2019 year before really taking on the world and mm-hmm. being the most dominant defensive player in the country, I thought, last year. So people are looking into that. I think on talent, there's no question in my mind he's a top 20 guy. But, um, you know, it depends on, you know, of course, need, but then also, you know, how comfortable people are with, uh, you know, again, some of the background issues that teams have started to look into. What about Brandon Smith? Physical yeah. freak. We we saw him what a couple weeks ago when he was down in Florida with the shirt off and looking like an Adonis out there uh, as he was making his uh, vertical jump. A guy that didn't always show up in terms of production out there, but always has looked the part. Sure, he has, and I think he can he can show that when he was out there with a quality quarterback, he was really an ascending player. I think his junior tape shows that. I mean, even in the I want to say it was in the, uh, the Holiday Bowl when he returned after the high ankle sprain that required surgery. You know, he uh, he had four catches, all for first downs or touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he was really uh, an impactful player last year, uh, as we've talked. You know, Spencer Peters struggled quite a bit. It impacted him. It impacted Smith probably more than any other player on the team. And, and so, uh, you know, he's got all the physical attributes you want. Uh, he ran good enough. You know, better than I probably expected. It was in the low four sixes, but just to be able to jump like that, to, to be able to bench—I mean, twenty-one times with two hundred twenty-five pounds—that's that's incredible. He's got you know good weight. He was a little shorter than he thought, even you know, <laughs> about a half, you know. But uh, but uh, so he keeps getting shorter. You know, he came to Iowa, he's like six three, six four. But <laughs> you know, so otherwise he's but he's a heck of a prospect. I think. You know, the difference between him and, say, Nick Neiman is, I think it's all about team. If a team like the Vikings have a ton of picks, they can look at Brandon Smith and say, let's take a chance on this guy, and if we hit it, it's a home run, and he's got a lot of ability. But then you look at uh, if you're in New Orleans or Detroit, and you're cap-strapped, and you really just you need a player to make your team that's undrafted or low-level, then Nick Neiman's like, hey, you know, we at least know what he can do. 
So I think that's that's going to be the kind of the interesting decision for some teams late in the draft on those two guys. Uh, Larry Jackson a couple of years ago, I mean there were there were mocks that had him just behind Werfs. Remember that uh, wasn't uh, you know maybe not as high in the first round, but to potentially a first round pick. Doc, he seems to have fallen way down. What did he do to impress yesterday, if anything? And where do you have him uh, slotted as far as uh, round potentially? I'm fascinated by him. I don't know that he did any, really anything great. I mean, his numbers were probably what you would expect, except for, you know, he decided to uh, start being a vegan. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. meat and gain him 15 pounds, which is what he needed. He needed to be a little bit more physical because that's kind of the style of play he is. Um, I He's really interesting to me because I, I'm kind of with you guys. I saw him for four years. I thought he was a really good player. He had some struggles kind of defending against fast twitchy guys off the edge and in pass rush. But, you know, that could be mitigated by either placement, put them somewhere else, or, you know, but I thought he was a really good player, four-year starter in, in that offense. So um, I, I think it's going to be about who likes him. Um, I think the general consensus right now is maybe about fifth round. But it would shock me if at the end of day three in the third round, that somebody goes, you know what, we think he could play, and, and we don't care what everybody else thinks. We're not into the group thing thing. And, and so I, I could see him going late third round. But, you know, the consensus right now, the echo chamber that kills the NFL draft experience for most people is yeah. uh, probably about fifth round. Also saw there was a, a couple of guys that worked out that were part of the senior class, guys that had already moved on. Devontae Young, who was a, a special team stalwart a couple of years back. Amani Jones was there, Wes Dvorak, and uh, Jackson Schubert. Is this something that has often, or did it have more to do with, of course, last year and just the crazy year in the pandemic we were dealing with initially? Do you think that had more to do with it? There's, it's, it's kind of a combination of, of both, Trent. And I think part of it is uh, every year there generally are a couple of players who come back, whether they're street-free agents, former players, mm-hmm. who just want that one more crack at it, you know, work out one more time in front of the, the scouts and, and have that chance to, to showcase what they could do, and then next thing you know, maybe somebody takes a flyer on them. That's what they really want to do. But whereas you're not having a pro day, uh, they I welcome those guys with open arms and say, please come back, you know, and showcase your stuff. That was really unfortunate for you guys. And and you know, out of those players, it's difficult to see a path to the NFL. It just is. It's, it's tough business anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of a, a proponent of. Uh, you know, Monty Jones being able to, you know, why don't you move positions? Why don't you be a fullback? I think he'd be a killer there. Uh, you know, so if I, if I were him, and of course I think at this point he would do that. I think he would, you know, if he had to carry the water in the field and do it, I think he would. Uh, but, you know, he's still, he's, you know, still the record holder in the squat, physical, powerful puncher as a hitter. So um, he might be the one, but. It's again. It's a really tough line for somebody like some of those guys. Uh, Scott Dockerman from the Athletic Doc. Um, spring football's on the horizon. What kind of uh, opportunities will media get to cover it? I mean, I know that you obviously got a lot of plans and uh, to do just that for the Athletic. Um, when when will we? When do we start? And what kind of access do you think you're going to get to coaches? Has there been anything scheduled yet? Yeah, everything got scheduled yesterday, which is fantastic. Uh, so, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz will start on Monday uh, with his opening news conference, and then we move to uh, the new coaches. Uh, next week we hear from them, George Barnett and, and Liddell Betts. And then and then each week we'll get, like, two assistants and then and also a handful or a few 
players, mm-hmm. and then we'll just kind of go from there. So uh, you know, that's uh, you know, I'm kind of glad to see that starting. It's, yep. it's a good thing, and uh, and then they're planning on ending their spring ball either April 30th or May 1st. So Perfect. it's pretty late this year. Great, <laughs> yeah, but but we're not. They're not sure on the date yet, so one of those two, I'm sure BTN will have a big impact on that. If they can say, hey, you do it this day, they'll do it that day. Absolutely. That's what they need to do. Well, if you've got Ference on Monday, then maybe we will impose on you on Tuesday uh, again next week. That's uh, That would be perfect for us, Doc. Hopefully it works for you. We'll be in touch. Thank you for what you do for Scott Dockerman. Your piece is at The Athletic. There's a bunch coming up by the sounds of things. Uh, we'll continue to read there. What is the promotion, Doc? Did I see it's like a buck a month? What What's... It's crazy and expensive. What is it? Do you know? Yeah, it's a dollar a month uh, for the next six months. Uh, it's kind of like our combination, you know, March Madness, free agency madness sale. So, uh, but it applies to all stories. So, whether it's uh, you know my feature on Spencer Lee last week, or if it's uh, one wow. of these football stories, a basketball one, um, you know, or my mailbag even coming up. So, yeah, just click on it and, and fire away. It usually works better off the desktop than than on an app. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for so you don't drive yourself crazy, but that's probably the best way to go about it. Good stuff, Doc. Certainly worth the money. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one. Guys. You do the same, Scott Dockerman, uh, joining us. A buck a month, pretty good. It's great coverage. It's mm-hmm. the future, I think. And if you're a fan of a team that may not get a lot of coverage here in the market, a professional team, I read about my Jets more there than anywhere else. <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa. It's <laughs> log on to the Athletic. It's great. It is, and you know I. I have teams that I root for that are in different cities. So mm-hmm. instead of having to go to the Star Tribune and then this, the right. Chicago Tribune and bouncing all around, it's one stop. You just click on each of those little links and stories will come up for whatever team you may root for. By the way, mm-hmm. opening day is a week from Thursday. Good. Ball. So I can be disappointed about another team I root for? Well, not until October. Right. It'll be a great season. It'll be a wonderful season. Twins will make their run yes. all the way through. They'll beat the White Absolutely. Sox for the division and promptly get swept. Swept. Yeah. And that would extend it to how many in a row if they get I, swept? Is it, does it stand at 17 I now? I think it's 18. 18 now? It's hard to keep track when you lose <laughs> that many games it's in a row. It's hard to do. It's impossible. Yeah. It well, is they found a, way. a statistical impossibility. Except for the Minnesota Twins. Miller and Condon back to wrap up hour number one. Iowa State conversation kicks off the second hour. We're with you until noon. We're glad you're here on 1460 KXNO and 106. With Charmin. A couple of minutes before 11, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Well, in. Included in the disappointment from yesterday was a whole bunch of lopsided basketball games. Did you yeah, notice that? For the yeah. first time all all tournament long. Uh, there was there was no drama whatsoever. Uh, listen to this. 15, 16, 20, 14. Here's a close one. 8, uh, 19, 19, 34. <laughs> Those are the Kansas Jayhawks. Jesus. That program... What's next? We got C.J. Moore coming up, who longtime scribe on Kansas and now on a national beat. That's where I read him yes. before. Yeah, yeah. C.J. has yeah. been at a long time. Yeah. Really good guy, yeah. and uh, used to have C.J. on quite a bit. And he, he'll give a really good perspective, I think, on that Kansas program. Yesterday, we're talking to Matt Postens, and I kind of joked, "Is this going to be the last time we see them in the tournament in the foreseeable future? I mean, doesn't something have to come down mm. with that program?" Yeah. 
Well, what what's LSU going to what oh, that's going to happen? What about Arizona? Well, it finally happened, but for them, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't play the most maybe the steepest price at Arizona. Mark Phelps, <laughs> right. former Drake coach. Yes, yeah. Biggest melon in the history of coaching. Boy, he had a big head. Still does. And now the fall guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't fall on that head. Ooh. But yeah, he, he seemingly paid as steep a price as anybody. But, but back to Kansas. But guy, do you see it when you're not uh, allegedly yeah. cheating? Yeah. They're they, pretty good. They, yep. But they played, well, somebody's got a Mobley who... Both Mobleys well, yesterday. yesterday. But the older brother. Right. He's a nice player. Uh-huh. Dad's on the bench. No, that doesn't That hurt. goes a long way. Right. How do you do that? What was one of the first programs to actually do something like that? It was the Kansas Jayhawks oh, way back gosh. in the day. Pain in the you-know-what. Pain in the you-know-what. This Gonzaga uh, procession to the Final Four and to uh, cutting down the nets, mm-hmm. not so fast. I mean, they still obviously can get there, but that left side of the bracket, way tougher than the right. We'll get it. We'll kick off our number two with some conversation on Iowa State with Michael Swain at twenty four seven Sports. CJ Moore follows him in Miller and Condon till noon fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three FM.